What's going on, guys? Welcome to In The Zone. I'm your host, Garrison Roy, and this is where we talk about being in the skill acquisition zone or strike zone and also being mentally in the zone and different zones of training. And if you have uh, you know, any inclination to listen to any other episodes, we have rants, we have full-length interviews like today, and also mental minic hacks as well that you can dive into. If you have any questions or topics to throw in there as well, Feel free to email that in to in the zone podcast one two three at gmail.com or hit me up in any of my socials. Uh, but yeah, really excited for today's episode because we have uh, Dr. Bailey with the Sports Vision Institute. What's going on? Hi, Garrison. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, got really intrigued by seeing a few of your Twitter threads and stuff like that, and reached out and wanted to come on, have you come on and talk some shop. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so kind of start with how you even ended up into this world of baseball. I know you're saying like you were learning more about it and trying to figure things out, you know, and as you're starting to, uh, I guess, work with more people within the industry, you're starting to kind of see even a bigger picture. Um, Mm -hmm. No pun intended there. Well, uh, I've been in private practice for 13 years here in Plano, Texas, and uh, I have three small children and they're starting to get into sports and, you know, just being a geek, sure. I start applying my job to my children and, you know, baseball and basketball and tennis and golf and start applying the what ifs and messing around with it. So it kind of started off as that. And then um, uh, I was connected here in Plano with a hockey coach named Cosmo Clark. He's largely responsible for growing the youth hockey presence here in DFW. And uh, he coaches for the Olympics and he and I got to talking and he said, Dr. Bailey, I send my kids to get their vision checked because they're just not uh, making their, they're not making their passes. They're not, uh, Mm. you know, their goalie work is sloppy and we go get, you know, send them get their vision checked. And their eye doctor says, you're 2020, you're fine, but they're not fine. They're just not tracking. And I was like, well, there's, you know, this whole subset of uh, optometry called vision therapy. It's more neurological in nature. And so uh, there is a subset of even that called sports vision. And so uh, it's just more about, you know, eye efficiency and movement and tracking and dynamic vision. And he was like, well, you know, and this was two Octobers ago. He said, uh, we need to, uh, my my kids are going to be home in, uh, in town from college, we should have a vision clinic. Oh, I'm sorry. I just spilled my water. Good job, Lauren. I'm getting excited. We should, my kids want to come in here now. Um, we should have a vision clinic. They really want to come in here now. And I said, well, um, I don't know anything about hockey, but sure. And so his college kids from all over the country came in and we had this little vision clinic. And we incorporated Strobe Eyewear 
and uh, some some uh, tracking technology and uh, something called a uh, just, just some eye hand coordination. There's a a yeah. ball that bounces different colors. And then just kind of some basic, some actually old school vision therapy. And I thought those kids were going to think I was the dorkiest mom in the world, but they actually had a lot of fun and Cosmo loved it. And so we started in his training room and uh, got some more technology. And then at the Children's Health Star Center here, which is owned by the Dallas Stars, they had some space downstairs. And so I'm renting out that space and I have my clinic there. And I have two other clinics there. I have my dry eye clinic and I have my clinic for the vision impaired there as well. So um, Cosmo connected me with some other coaches like Tom House. And, you know, everybody's connected. Uh, I've met other great coaches through him and then some great people here in Dallas, uh, some great clubs. So, uh, you know, coaches are really some of the neatest people. Absolutely. There's some some stinkers for sure. (laughs) But um we, but, we all have a, a very close knit um, community, I guess, like either everyone knows of someone or has had some contact with the coaches before, which I've mm-hmm. had contact with Tom early on in my career, mm-hmm. trying to learn how to pitch and stuff like that, too. And, you know, he kind of opened my eyes to having a lot more of a, a holistic view of things versus just thinking about mechanical cues, yeah. or like, you know, things like that. So he brought in a lot of the science side, he was the, he was definitely the godfather of that early on mm-hmm. early two thousands back whenever I was doing that. Right. Um, no, but that's really cool that you, you just kind of like, you know, struck up conversations and then now you're, you know, in, in contact with all of that. Some uh, of the best in the world. It's hilarious. I, um, and I think it's all about just putting brains together, you know, finding people who know about baseball, people who know about vision, and putting your brains together and building a program that helps, you know, all, all vision is, is input. We're experiencing the world and we all experience the world different. We all see the world different. And to uh, maximize that input, it's kind of like, you know, coding garbage in garbage out. Same it's the opposite quality in quality out. The first step in any motor sequence is the input. And if you have crappy information coming in, you're not going to have great output, uh, great performance. And so it's a, it's an important part of any position, any sport. Absolutely. Well, and you know, you hear a lot of coaches talking about holistic things and looking at the mm-hmm. entire human and a lot of people don't, lot of yeah, they don't take into account the whole vision aspect of things um, as much as like, you know, how they're moving Mm -hmm. For me, like the strength and conditioning side, mobility, but how all that even just intertwines and affects is, is definitely, uh, definitely paramount. And I kind of wanted to, to share this story with you whenever I was coaching a, a guy earlier this year in the spring. Um, and you'll, you'll probably find this really interesting, but I noticed where, you know, we were hitting in the cage and everything was going fine. He hits the ball, just absolutely crushes it while he's in this tunnel and it's nice and enclosed. Right. But as soon as we go out onto the field, obviously a lot of other variables, you have a pitcher throwing the ball at you and it's moving a bunch of different directions. We would even throw, have curveballs with the machine, crushes it. No problem. Mm-hmm. And as you went on that field. Right. And I think this might have been a spatial awareness thing. And I'll let you kind of go off this. But as soon as that opened up, his sights just 
he couldn't pick up a baseball at all. Right. Mm -hmm. So I talked with the parents. I was like, Hey, I think you guys need to go to an eye doctor. And sure enough, he had a concussion when he was younger and Mm. didn't see out of one side of his eye. And I was like, all right, well, there's definitely something there that's probably affecting, you know, his performance because he's got all the tools. It's just seems like that one little piece is, is what's, what's hindering him the most. The periphery is so important. Uh, It's what grounds us. It's how we sense the world. It's how we, uh, it's, it's how we integrate with the the play. And uh, so we don't need to focus so much. And that's how we stay out of tunnel vision. And it's even how our body stays in calm. It's how our body stays in balance. It's how we stay standing. Uh, so that periphery is extremely important. So if the world opened up and he didn't have peripheral vision, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's some of those things that you don't really notice until you don't have it, right? Like take advantage of it or Mm -hmm, uh, lose the appreciation for it. But you know, you, you make a good point there. Like sometimes you have those peripherals or things that are happening. Like we've all probably been at a practice where we're walking down and other guys are throwing and all of a sudden you see a ball fly by in your peripherals and you're like, Oh, got to throw my glove up and make sure I don't get hit. You know, right. Like it's all, Mm -hmm. your body's trying to protect itself. Um, you know, but it's really interesting how, you know, just your overall perception too can, can influence things as far as, you know, what you're seeing and then how you actually move. Um, and you, you really did touch on that, uh, through one of these Twitter threads that, uh, that I mentioned and reached out from, but I'm obviously a nerd a lot like you <laughs> and saw the one where you were talking about the cranial nerve and how mm. that affects so much other parts of the body. Right. And, um, expand it on that a little bit and how you can mm. probably assess and see how maybe some of those things can affect how s- someone moves, but also how their body just learns how to adapt and solve problems. Your cranial nerves? Or just nerves in general that are, like help with the eyesight, right? But I'm assuming most of those would be cranial, right? Skip ahead the next 60 seconds if you don't want to find out about the company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also perform- former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, hit us up on our website, give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take. Right, we only take a handful of dedicated athletes, and if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. So, uh, the cranial nerves. There's 12 cranial nerves that come out of our come in and out of our brainstem and cerebrum. Uh, 
cranial nerve one is, let's see if I can do this from my brain. Wow. I shouldn't do this to myself while we're live. This is where I said, I'm not good at interviewing. Olfactory is cranial nerve one. Uh, Cranial nerve two is optic. Cranial nerve three is ocular motor. Cranial nerve four is trochlear. Trochlear. Cranial nerve five is trigeminal. Cranial nerve six is abducens. Cranial nerve seven is facial. Cranial nerve eight is vestibular cochlear. Cranial nerve nine is glossopharyngeal. Cranial nerve 10 is vagus. 11 is hypoglossal and 12. No, 11 is accessory and 12 is hypoglossal. So all of those nerves do different things. Um, Obviously olfactory is smell. Two is optic nerve. So how we process light, Hmm. you know, like looking at this computer screen, like, you know, I see your face in different colors. Like that's how we process different colors and like lights hitting my retina and I'm seeing, and you know, we all see the world different. We all process colors different. We all have different binocular vision. Like we all experience this world. There's no two brains that are alike. And you know, the sensory input is the first step in any motor in any motor movement. And to maximize that is the first, I mean, garbage in, garbage out. We have to maximize that first step. So that's where I feel really like there's a huge place for this uh, therapy in all sports, all positions. And um, so, and then the cranial nerve three, four, and six are all nerves that help us move our eyes up, down, left, and right. And, uh, our binocularity, the way our eyes work together as a team and the way that we focus in and out, how our eyes move together, help us pick up on depth and help us move our eyes in the X axis, the Y axis and the Z axis in and out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any sport we play, literally any sport we play, we need to be able to see a target that's either coming at us, something that is interceptive or we're projecting a target, you know, like a baseball away from us towards a buddy uh, or, you know, we're, we're projecting something away. Any literally, literally any sport, except for maybe running, I guess we're projecting ourselves. Yeah. At at the same time, you're also observing the environment too. Right. Like, Oh, Hey, Uh, this is downhill. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. Still taking in a lot of so that. We, we're either we're either we're either doing a convergent task, something coming towards us, or a divergent task, something going away from us, or again left and right, up or down. And our eyes really have to work in tandem together, very intricately. And you know, my you asked me what my story was. Also, as a kid, you know, my left eye turned in, and I was really clumsy. And we, we didn't have much money growing up. So we didn't go to the doctor. I didn't have this diagnosed till optometry school. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, my left eye turned in and my friends in basketball made fun of me all the time because I fell a lot. I had no coordination and I'm six feet tall. So I played post and my coach was like, Lauren, just stay under the basket. Don't dribble you will lose the ball. Like just stand to the basket and you have one job and that's the turnaround and do your jump shot. 
And that's it. That's all I did. There you go. And I was really, I was really good at that. And I would turn around, do my jump shot. And uh, I I was a high scorer until, you know, it stopped working because girls got bigger than me. (laughs) Uh, My point is, is that binocularity does trickle down into coordination. Uh, I do feel like that's a big reason why I was not very coordinated because when I do my therapy now and I now I'm playing old lady tennis. And when I do my therapy, my tennis pro is like, Lauren, have you been have you been working with somebody else? Who else are you working with? Tell me. I mean, she like kind of gets mad at me. I'm like, nobody. I'm just doing my vision therapy. Like she can tell I look better because I hit the ball in the middle of the strings. My foot works better. I look more coordinated. Because again, vision is the first step in our motor command. Hmm. And, uh, and so that's my personal story. And I've heard lots of patients tell me similar stories. Uh, so that's cranial nerves three, four, and six. And those cranial nerves are interconnected with the rest of them. Um, you know, trigeminal is in charge of a lot of muscles in our face, same as facial, um, also sensory, you know, just being able to feel stuff. Um, you'll see if anybody ever does my at home program, you'll see a lot of tongue stuff because cranial nerves nine and 12 are closely related to 10 and 11 and 10 is the vagus nerve Mm -hmm. and the vagus comes down here and into our lungs and our heart and our gut and all kinds of good stuff down there. And, um, it's really powerful with our just polyvagal tone and uh the parasympathetic system and calm uh it's it's incredibly powerful and uh so to have good polyvagal tone is just good for any athlete's body so the the program i don't know if you've seen me tweet about it it's funny moving your eyes around moving your tongue around moving your vestibular you know your your uh, balance around it's all interconnected and so we're not just doing eye exercises we're doing just brain, spine, vagus nerve exercises. So does that answer your question? Uh, oh, the cranial really, nerve question? Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, really personal story with that too. But, you know, obviously led you oh, down. How's the klutz? <laughs> right. I mean, hey, like we've all probably had stories where something like that happened or, you know, you hear, and I, I see it happen a little bit more recently where, you know, some kids are having more, you know, vestibular or like, you know, movement mm-hmm. issues where that actually stems from, who knows, it might be these screens that we're looking at all the time. I don't know, <laughs> but oh, uh, I'll be scrolling sometimes and I'll get dizzy. Yeah. And, and when I do my therapy, I, and again, this is all about, uh, this is just my own personal story, but like, yeah. I don't get as sick as easy. You know, I just, I, I don't get dizzy or as car sick and it's just, it just feels better. That's awesome. So awesome. When, when you're referencing the eye therapy and I know you're talking about moving your tongue and things like that, how do you see that? Or is there a timeline for how that actually starts to reflect? Cause it seems like you, you know, you were talking with your tennis coach. Does that happen relatively quickly or is that almost kind of like a, like a physical rehabilitation where that kind of progressively improves over time as you do that or is there kind of an in-between there most of my patients and this is many sports vision therapists will say the same thing 
it takes about eight to 12 sessions. Sure. Uh, and eight to 12 sessions, if you do three a week, that's three to four weeks. So uh, I, I, I about a month is about what to plan for to see some where you start feeling different, where you start feeling like you're squaring up. Like it's mostly hitting. Hmm. Uh, and when we're talking about baseball specifically, um, and that's for the average individual. Now, someone like me who has a moderate binocular issue, you know, I, I, I feel better after one session. I feel like my face just took off 10 pound shoes, but, uh, like, I feel like my jaw feels better. I feel like my eyes just like, Oh, like it just feels good. But um, the average in- individual doesn't have the same tension I do. And so um, the the most common feedback I've gotten is one month if you do it three times a week. Yeah, sure. Well, that's consistency with anything, right? Like we all heard, you know, the mm-hmm. old adage of like, hey, 21 days or something like that to where you'll be able to mm-hmm. get a new habit instilled. I think it's something that you probably would have to continue to do and stay locked in as with any thing it requires discipline right um I, if you come to the office i do have like infrared lights so you know activating the nerves while you do the exercises okay. with infrared like that does kind of accelerate your improvement but you know not everybody has access to that so sure let's what if someone said that they were trying to get something there with like an infrared sauna is that similar or does it have to be a particular herd of light it, no. it, it, there's some specific medical grade lights but infrared saunas are great yeah they are for multiple reasons not just mm-hmm. the eyesight mm-hmm. is there so i also have driven down some, kind of some of these you know biohacking rabbit holes and stuff like that for mm-hmm. red light therapy so i guess infrared but red light um have you dove down that at all of how that actually kind of affects you know certain either vision or just I know there's a lot of other health benefits from it, but I'm curious of how or if you know of any that has helped with vision in, in general. The the red light uh, reaches the red light has a certain wavelength. It's a longer wavelength mm-hmm. that can pass through the skin and the skull to reach your nerves. And you know, light light is in, all it is is energy, and so when you activate the nerves with energy they just uh they wake up Uh, you can also activate nerves with you know oxygen or you know you just want to make them healthier um i would recommend a book Uh, a a friend of mine who i met through uh national pitching association uh chris cormier he wrote books on uh how to make your nerves healthier through light oxygen and water. So, um, and he helped me with the, that, uh, vestibular vision, vision, vestibular Vegas program too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so Chris Cormier, he's written some great books on and how to use light to make your nerves happy. Uh, and then I actually use, uh, there's a, I, I, I'm not, I do not know enough about this to make an educated statement. That's my disclaimer. There are some uh, European studies that have shown that red and maybe infrared light can help with the retina 
Hmm. Um, but it was specifically about macular degeneration. Okay. I don't know. That's, that's all I'm going to say about it. Cause I don't know more enough to give you more. That's still really interesting to kind of think about and how that affects things, especially me recording this, I'm wearing blue light glasses. Cause I'm trying to block, <laughs> you know, some of that that's damaged, but, um, and again, this is also a disclaimer. I don't know if this is an actual proven thing or not. And I'm sure there's a lot of other factors involved, but I started doing red light therapy pretty consistently about three days a week. And my eyesight, when I went back actually improved. So where corrective lenses and that actually got better. What do you mean by red light therapy? So full red light therapy, the Hertz level uh, looks like a tanning bed, basically, right? Like you're in yeah. that I'm standing in. Um, and then sometimes like 125 degrees is super hot. Yeah, no, it's not super hot. It's not like not typical to an infrared sauna. Um, just red. Yeah, just red. And that does different Hertz levels. So it goes from 10 Hertz all the way to like 5,000 Hertz. Oh, wow. Light there. So that one's like, a Theralite, I think is the company that, that makes that one. But Mm -hmm. again, I'm not saying that it, was the main thing, but that's literally the only thing that I really changed. I've had the same amount of I, roughly and I I use red light therapy therapy a lot in my dry eye clinic. Really? We 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 call it low light therapy. And so for for it helps with inflammation. Did, did your skin I don't know, have you ever had skin issues or acne or like rosacea or anything like that? No, not we use that. it for that. I mean, obviously like athlete's foot and you know stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but it helps a lot like skin inflammation. Yeah. Overall on inflammation, I can definitely agree with that. But yeah, the low level laser therapy, red lights, definitely mm-hmm. for sure. What mm-hmm. are some, some other practical things? I know obviously your program is probably the, the most practical thing to, to do for this, but what are some things or maybe rules of thumb that you could recommend to the listeners be like, Hey, like this is probably like having eight hours of screen time is probably detrimental or, you know, certain things um that could be hindering either performance or just overall quality of life you know the screen time is a problem uh yeah it getting into this i i have been really surprised to see how many kids have something called accommodative spasm uh so the accommodation is the mechanism inside each individual eye that moves the lens in and out. There's a lens behind your iris called your crystalline lens. And it's what allows you to change focus from far away to up close. Okay. To move in this Z axis in and out. When you hit 40, for example, I'm I'm 38. I'll be 40 soon. Oh, it's going to happen soon. And that's when you start losing control over your focusing system. Like already at night when I'm reading to my kids in bed, I'm like, it's happening. You know, I have a hard time focusing up. Yeah. <laughs> it's only when I'm really tired. And uh, you start losing control over your focusing system because uh, the lens the, the the lens gets more rigid and the muscles have a harder time moving it in and out. So those muscles, you know, our, our eyes, we, we are in unprecedented times of staring at screens. Mm-hmm. Our species has and has never done this before. You know, f- between phones and computers, oh, we're staring at screens for, for the past 20 years, yeah. absolutely. Totally agree. And uh, and our, our eyes were not 
designed to do that. And so the, the muscles, the zonular muscles that are in charge of the accommodative pro, uh, system are spazzing out. And that, if, and the, the accommodation is the foundation for all eye movement. Hmm. So if your accommodation spazzing, your binocular movement, which is tracking up, down, left, right, and converging and diverging is going to be messed up too. So that's why in my program, we got to get the accommodation, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It because does. it's the foundation. It's the foundation of the house. Yep. You know, you build the foundation. Um, the, uh, a mentor of mine told me that the, the Charles Shudlowski, the president of the international sports vision association, he knows all of this. He's a lot smarter than me. You build the foundation of the house first and then the walls and then the ceiling. So you got to take care of the accommodation first. Um, yeah, these kids have accommodative problems. And uh, so we got to want, if you can limit your screen time. I know that's hard though, because we work on this, you know, we're having a meeting on it now. Yeah. We do school, you know, we're trying to save yeah. trees. We're trying to not print out as much. Yeah. And it's even different than paper. There's energy. There's blue light. Blue light has a shorter wavelength. It's it's uh, it's coming out of these screens. And I mean, it's not you're not going to go blind from that, but it is a different energy. But if you can limit your screen time, you know, your scroll time, your social media time, try. Uh, the Probably the easiest rule of thumb is to have zero screen time two to three hours before uh, practice or games. And, you know, kids hate me when I tell them that. And their parents are like, thank you. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it has been probably, you know, it's, that's my free advice. And that's probably been my most meaningful free advice. Uh, because it's not just a, a vision reason, but a, a mental reason. Sure. It just kind of gets your, your mind in play, uh, uh, ready to go. Uh, but yeah, it gets the the accommodation system ready to go, and um, the binocular system follows suit. Absolutely, um, it probably just helps you be more present in in the moment, right? And helps you be more attuned to what you're actually doing versus having your thoughts rolling around in different places. But then also focusing and seeing what you're doing. You know, it's- well, my, I uh, I. Uh, quote that I steal from Andrew Huberman a lot. A lot of people follow him. He's a professor at Stanford in ophthalmology and neurobiology, but um, he has a great Twitter uh, feed, but he, um, he says visual focus is mental focus. Mm. And it's true. I mean, if your vision's off, it's hard to focus on what you're doing, whether that's reading or working or writing or hitting a ball with a bat. And uh, so the vision, another passion of mine is, and where the the sports vision stuff is fun to me is, I feel like vision is that mind-body bridge. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, again, visual focus is mental focus. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. Because, you know, you always think about I'll quote someone else here is like yoga, Yogi Bear is like, Hey, baseball is 90% mental. The other half's physical. Right. But like, (laughs) I love that you said that, that, that bridging and like how those actually intertwine together because your intentions. And I talk about this a lot, 
like, hey, like I'm intending to hit the ball, you know, the opposite field, or I'm trying to throw this pitch at this particular point is going to influence how you move and how you learn how to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to hear you say that and have something to actually put that together. Um, One thing. I Oh, sorry. The, the The baseball community talks a lot about the mental game. Yeah. And I'm not a mental health professional, but mental health is so complicated. We all bring so much trauma to the table. You know, we all have, you know, childhoods. We all have, you know, teenage years. We all have so much going on in here. Whereas the sensory side of things is so much more concrete and simple to me. Mm -hmm. So if we can bring sensory training into the, into the space, I'm hoping that can simplify the mental side of things too. Does that make sense? Like if we, like you, you said something like about being present and what I'm hoping we can do is get kids vision, get getting kids to have a repeatable, reliable method of where to point their eyeballs. And then also maybe incorporate breath work. And between those two, we can get kids really present and really locked in. I'm totally for that. I, I recommend breath work. Wim Hof's a really good one for those of you who are listening. A uh, good place to start, but just having different breathing techniques and and feeling that can definitely help. And if you intertwine some stuff to do for vision, hey, that sounds like a, a recipe for success to me. Pretty cool. Absolutely. There was one um, doctor I went to, and I'm originally from Arkansas, so I was out there, and this was in Tyler, Texas. And this might be an old school vision therapy technique, but I'm curious if you know what it is. He had me have a pencil with a string on the end of it and then Mm -hmm. three little circles. And to this day, I could never, I can't find it, but it's like you put the end of the string on a doorway or something to where it's like Mm -hmm. attached. And then you focus on these three different colors. And he said that it was going to help me, you know, see the ball better. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. That's called a Brock string, B-R-O-C-K. Okay. Uh, what's uh, Ryan Harrison? He does a lot of sports vision therapy, I think somewhere in California. Yeah. And he does a lot of Brock string work. Is that, uh, Brock string's good. Uh, but again, that's working on binocularity. Because okay. do you remember how the, you know, you would make the strings cross at the bead? Do you right. remember that? Mm-hmm. So you look yeah. at the bead and you're looking at two lines. Yeah. More- only one so you have that double vision there yeah so um that's rock string double vision that that, that's working on binocularity on the motor side how well your eyes are aligning but also on the sensory side how well you're seeing uh that physiological what we call physiological diplopia you're uh, creating a double vision. And so you're learning how to control, control that. your own perception. So y- y- it's a, it's your, it's, it's an interesting exercise because you're controlling both the motor and the sensory side at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, it, and then what you also do with those beads is like jump back and forth, you know, red, yellow, green, yellow, red, yellow, yeah, green. That's actually the exact colors. It's funny. Yeah. And you, uh, 
see how, you know, quick you can go. You can get a buddy to slide one bead up and down and kind of smoothly follow. There's lots of ways to use that. It is a powerful tool. The only reason I haven't, and I have them in my office. The only reason I haven't incorporated that in my non-prescriptive program is I want you to work on the accommodation first. Yeah. As these kids have accommodative spasm and that Brock string is going to be a waste of time mm-hmm. if we don't build the foundation first. That I makes sense? That. Uh, no, that makes total sense. And that ties back to exactly what you were saying before, right? Like you got to have the foundation and mm-hmm. I even say this in the training side or strength and conditioning side. It's like, Hey, you can't do all these fancy exercises and stuff. If you don't even know how to do some proper foundational movements, right? Like right. it's all very similar and how mm-hmm. that all coincides. So I I'm totally with you on that. It makes total sense. Um, so I guess the, the last couple of things here, I know like you talked about at the very beginning, you were mentioning, you know, having a bunch of different eye training tools and things like that. And another big one, and I know we were talking about screens, but you know, you have the, you know, thing where it can help track your eyesight, but also the, um, you know, the Oculus type things that you can use for simulated games or simulating swings and stuff like that. What's your, do you have a opinion on those, if those even help out? Or do you think keeping it the real thing probably actually helps more with the the skill acquisition side? Or is there any benefit to that? My opinion is to keep it as real as possible. Mm-hmm. I like I like free space stuff. Uh, like the Oculus, I feel has a touch of a lag to it. Sure. Yeah. Just a touch. And I think it's enough to make a difference. So, but I think there's, you just find what works for you. You know, I, I think there are kids who love it and it, you know, they've worked with it and they are hitting more home runs. So if you've worked with an Oculus and you're hitting more home runs, good for you. Uh, yeah, whatever works, right? <laughs> whatever works. I, I I feel like what's, again, what's more powerful is to build the foundations. We're coming back to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, again, I've been so surprised getting into all of this. I would say upwards of 80% of these kids have some kind of accommodative issue. Again, the muscle within each individual eye is screwy yeah. because of this unprecedented time of screens. Uh, so I think I, I, I would I would double down on that before um, doing virtual reality because you're going to get the reps. There's another reason I would say that. Uh, let me find the I, I've messed up on this before and I don't want to mess up on it again. There was a meta analysis by who perspective in psychological science they looked at i'm looking at something right now 33 studies where the relationship between deliberate practice and athletic achievement found that conventional practice meaning reps doesn't matter as much as you think it would would like the the all important 10,000 hour rule mm-hmm. What percentage of the difference of athletic success do you feel like that it makes? I kind of gave you a hint. It's not as much as you would think. 
I would say a third, maybe 30, 33%. That's, that's um, close-ish, 18%. Wow. You have to think about, it, it forces you to investigate other things like the importance of coordination, your propensity to choke, you know, just your personality, your grit, your likelihood to get injured. And then your physical qualities like, you know, vision and height and muscle mass balance, your genetic makeup, your oxygen intake, how much you enjoy the sport, your general competitiveness. Like there's so much more that goes into what makes you a good player. And so things like reps, getting more reps in with VR, that's, that's cool. But you're, gosh, y'all are getting, I mean, athletes are getting so many reps in already. Uh, I think it's, I, I think it's, I don't know. Yeah. You'll have to send me that meta-analysis. I'm really interested to read in on that. And I'll probably drop that in the show notes too. Okay. We're listening. If y'all want to check it out. So mm-hmm. what was the reps, the only thing that was the highest determining factor or were there other factors? Just were. all the things I just spattered off, uh, just your cor- uh, the, the importance of coordination and choking and personality and how likely you would get it. You know, all those things that I listed off are the other factors to investigate. A hundred percent. I mean, that's kind of where, where I'm kind of coming from too, is like, Hey, like you got a your vision, you know, all these other things, you should investigate all of that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not just the physical. It's not just the reps or the the stuff that you do at practice because it, it all matters. It all intertwines. Mm-hmm. It's important, but uh, it's not the only important thing. Absolutely. 100%. And important. you're only as strong as your weakest link. That's another great townhouse quote right there. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I've heard Darn that's it. where I originally heard it from. And I just <laughs> had that and run with it. Um, He's rubbing off on me Dang it. <laughs> it's good though. It could be worse. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dr. Bailey, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that you would want to leave off some of the listeners with? Um, you know, words of advice or anything that kind of comes to your to your mind. Oh goodness. Uh oh, sorry, Mike. I'm in my husband's office. That's why uh he's a He's a corporate litigation attorney. That's why there's all this, these books and stacks. He has all kinds of fun stuff. Um, no, uh, just, you know, follow me and I'll try to keep good content up. And uh, you know, we're th- this, this vision program's working again, building the foundations and the rest follows. Yeah. Working. Yeah. Y'all can DM me that I actually prefer if you DM me because I like to keep track of who's doing it right now. It's free. Um, I'm not charging for it yet because I want to put a bunch of success stories up before I start charging for it. And so um, do it while it's free. And then um, because it's working, we have 100 percent satisfaction so far. Hey, I love that. And if they're getting results so far, if y'all are the. If somebody didn't like it, I mean, it's always possible, but you'd be the first. Hey, I love it. Well, I'll definitely drop your your Twitter handle down there. Any other socials that anyone else can reach you at, or is it mostly Twitter that you use? It's mostly Twitter. I have an Instagram, uh, but I'm a lot more active on Twitter for sure. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it, Doc. And for those of you listening, 
stay in the zone.